This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today I speak with Deva Pramal. Deva is a classically trained singer and musician known around the world for her devotional chanting and the inspiring music she creates with her partner, Mitten. I saw Deva Pramal and Mitten perform recently in Boulder, and they both have incredible presence on stage. They transmit a kind of openness and emptiness that is quite rare and beautiful to be with. Deva and I spoke about her experiences sharing music all around the world. We talked about mantras and how they work, and how devotional music can actually create a space which welcomes all of our emotional experience. We also discussed and listened to three tracks from her Sounds True release, Into Silence, the meditation music of Deva Pramal. I'm here today with Deva Pramal on Insights at the Edge. And Deva, I know that we're speaking to you somewhere across the water. Where are you today? <laughs> I'm in, uh, in Malambimbi, Australia. <laughs> it's uh, near Byron Bay. I think maybe many of your listeners are familiar with Byron Bay. It's uh-huh. in the east coast of Australia. And what is your life like? I mean, I have an imagination about it, that you're touring, that you're at yoga centers. It all sounds very romantic and fabulous, I have to say. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been feeling really romantic and, and fabulous. And I, I think it's been now almost 18 years that we've been traveling. And, uh, you know, this is actually the longest we spend anywhere. This is, we're, we're here for three months in Australia, which also includes a tour in Australia. So we are two months in the same place, in the same bed. <laughs> Otherwise, we are, you know, a few days here, a few days there, moving on. And it's just uh, been a really, it's a, a natural flow for us. You know, we both love traveling and we both love sharing the music as we, as we move around the planet. And it's so beautiful to see that there's so much openness in all these different countries for mantras and you know, when you come to a new place and, and we start the concert with the Gayatri Mantra and then have the audience sing back to us the words, it's just so uplifting. You know, you realize that the mantras are traveling around the world so quickly now and that, that then we can just come home to every one of these centers of uh, devotion. So this is really nourishing for us. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned the Gayatri Mantra, and I know that mantra is personally important to you. Can you tell us a little bit about, first of all, what the Gayatri Mantra is and, and why it's important to you personally? Uh, the Gayatri Mantra is the, the oldest mantra. It's the, it, was, it came into being with the beginning of the universe. You know, that it's the, 
one of the building blocks of the universe and for me it's the building block of my universe as well because my parents made that the welcome to me as I was in as my mother was pregnant with me and then and then they uh, encouraged me and and sang the Gayatri with me every night before sleeping as a good night song. So it was like my first um, contact with mantra was was this Gayatri mantra. At that point, you know, I was a young child. I had no idea that I was singing a mantra, and I had no idea really what it meant. I just realized that that's not what my friends are doing every night. You know, I love doing it as a from the singing aspect, and I. And on, also I did it because my parents told me to, you know. So it was like something that they planted the seed very early and I didn't really appreciate it at the time. Uh-huh. So that's why I had to leave it, you know. That's why I had to, when I was maybe 10, 11 years old, I had to find my own way. And basically, it just it's not that I consciously said, oh, now I'm not going to sing this anymore or not not going to chant this anymore. But it just was a natural you know, moving away from it since it was my parents' introduction. And then, actually, it was only in my mid-twenties that I, it came back to me and I, I heard it again on the, our travels and realized, wow, this is so, this is, this is my home, this is so close to me, you know, this is what I've been growing up with. And only then I, I uh, you know, the seeds flowered, basically, and I could appreciate it, I could feel it, and I could... Uh, also be really grateful to my parents that they gave it to me so early. And, and what is the meaning of the Gayatri the mantra? The meaning is, um, it's actually a purification mantra. Just by, just all these syllables, all these Sanskrit syllables and sounds that it's made of will purify the one who listens as well as the singer and also activate all the energy centers. It's a very very profound mantra that's to the sun it's not to a particular deity it's to the sun and it's a prayer for all beings on the planet to be enlightened to to live in the light Mm -hmm. so when you say that the gayatri mantra came with the beginning of the world that the beginning what, what do you mean by that that's the according to the vedas the the in the beginning of the universe, the Vedas came into being as well as the Gayatri Mantra. So that came as a as in this fire ceremony that was at the beginning of this universe. The Vedas, the scriptures, arose out of that as well as the Gayatri. That's according to the scriptures. You know, the thing is with the with the mantras, they the, these sounds, and that's the, that's inherent to the Sanskrit language. These sounds are sounds that reflect exactly the energy of what they are. It's not a, a, a language that we give meaning to. It's, an, it's a language, it's a sound that is what it sounds like. You know, it's not like we have to give meaning to it. The energy is in the sound. So these, these sounds, like if we sing this Gayatri Mantra, even if, if we don't know what it means, it will it will have its effect on us because it's like medicine. It's, you know, it's taking, it's taking sound medicine when we, when we use it, when we sing it, when we chant it. And I'm also, you know, I think most of us nowadays aren't so sensitive to it that we actually can feel the exact, you know, different um, 
different applications of each mantra. You know, we we still need the help of these wise men and rishis in the ancient times who can tell us, oh yeah, this this sound formula is for this particular application and this sound formula is for connecting with nature and this sound formula is for balancing male and female energies. So me too, I, I basically, I just and really love the feeling it gives me when I chant the mantra, which is a feeling of bliss, joy, and then, and then especially also the silence that it brings. It's for me a really easy way to come into a silent space without effort. You know, it's like cleaning the, cleaning the mirror, you know. And uh, that's what I trust. So I'm not really, you know, I, I'm not really um, a scholar in that sense that I have studied the scriptures and can tell you too much about that aspect. Yeah. But I can just trust that that they have uh, basically transformed my life, the mantras, and that they have touched me and then also the people that that we've met and that have uh, listened to our music, that, that these mantras have had profound effects on them. And that's all, mainly it happened by, by them not knowing why. You know what I mean? Like we get messages from people they they just listen to the mantras. They they don't even know it's a mantra. It's just somebody gave them a CD or a recording, and and some profound healing takes place of depression of people who are close to suicide, and the music transforms them and and gives them back a, a reason to live and and a sense of joy or peace. We've had messages from from people who work with autistic kids. You know where the kids responded to the music in a way that they didn't respond to other music and actually started chanting along with the Gayatri Mantra and actually almost requesting it when they when it wasn't played to them. So there I trust that these mantras have this universal language that that we all understand even if we don't understand it mentally or we don't, you know, can't explain it or, you know. Mm-hmm. From tracking the effect that you feel, that you can sense in your own body when you chant the mantras, how do you think they work? Like, for example, you were talking about somebody who's suffering something like depression. How, yeah. how do the mantras change and affect such a person? Um, there's so many aspects to it. One is the aspect of actually making those sounds which um, help the body to to vibrate you know when we make those sounds then our cells vibrate in a certain just by breathing just by singing already it's a healing it's a healing uh, process and then these sacred sounds i i kind of like to um compare it with i don't know if you heard about that science of i think it's called cymatics yeah and it's you know when we apply certain sounds to to water or to um, sand and then after a while when you apply that sound it could be an ohm then the sand or the the surface of the water takes on a certain geometric pattern and that's you know that's in the line of sacred geometry and I feel it's the same way with the mantras you know we apply these sacred sounds to our body our bodies are made up mostly out of water and already by that, we are actually reorganizing our cells and our system. So I, I think that's, um, that could be like a kind of a 
like a physical material explanation of why they work mm -hmm. and uh, it's really a, it's a ancient medicine formula that um, that transforms our our whole system and and brings that unity which is really why we are basically why we are suffering is that we are split you know that we have that we are not in tune even with ourselves so by focusing our whole system on on the mantra on the sound we are unifying our system and we are coming to a place of peace that's that includes everything you know peace can also include being angry sometimes or but we are not split you know we are not fighting against that we are becoming in tune with ourselves can you explain what you mean by that that peace can sometimes include something like anger if it's experienced in an undivided way i think that's what i yeah. hear you saying can you help me understand that yeah it's just i feel all these emotions are you know part of our human um, colorful plate that we can experience you know so being angry in the in a way that it comes out in a clean way without hurting anyone without you know hurting ourselves but just as a natural response to 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 a situation that's that doesn't feel right that's that's totally fine it's just either when we hold on to it too long so it comes out too too abruptly or too violently or when we afterwards feel guilty about it you know oh i should never be angry that's not right you know it's it's when it's clean you know then then it's also part of the the joy of being a human being that can feel all these different feelings that are all perfectly divine you know mm -hmm. <laughs> like when you look and also when you look in the scriptures with a love to the divine with a love to krishna in that love jealousy is also included and and longing and uh, missing and uh, you know all these supposedly negative feelings but if you put them to the divine they become divine you know but it's our fight that creates the suffering it's our feeling of oh we should be a different way you know we should always be loving we should that that's what creates the the turmoil inside so it's i've actually experienced personally um i was on a retreat in india and uh, it was i was doing this meditation which was part of the retreat and came to a place where i got extremely angry <laughs> there was something happened on the outside and i just felt like it shouldn't be like this and it made me totally angry and at that point i i thought oh all these gurus tell me always you know like go into it don't uh, don't fight it you know embrace it you know so what does that mean okay i just i just be open to this anger and this anger got stronger and stronger until i felt almost like being crushed by it or killed by it you know almost and then before that could happen suddenly it got transformed into bliss and it was like a feeling of wow i can be blissful enjoying the anger you know it's, it's just another way of feeling the energy you know and it was it was such a revelation that every feeling is a certain taste you know it's all it's like the colors of the rainbow you know they're all good and we can enjoy and tasting each one of them if we don't get locked into them or stuck in them or judge them or, or, or build them up inside without expressing them in a clean way.
Well, I'm really grateful to hear you talk about this. I know that when I went to your concert with Mitten here in yeah. Boulder, it was, I found it, of course, very beautiful, and your voice is so beautiful, and I had all kinds of feelings, including tears of uh, just joy and appreciation and my heart opening. But I also had, at certain points, I just felt some kind of strange rage that I didn't really understand. And I thought, God, I'm probably the only person in this room of 500 people who's, you know, hysterically rage-filled. Everybody else seems so light and blissed out and, you know, they're raising their arms and swaying and I'm like, you know, ready to punch the sky or something. Anyway, so it's just interesting for me to hear you talk about how there's room in the music for everything. Yes. And now what happened? You know, I I think that I had some conflict with the feeling, so it wasn't that easy for me. And it didn't feel that welcome to me in the whole situation. But, you know, I worked it out inside myself. But it's just, I'm, I'm glad to hear you talk about it, because, you know, looking at you on stage, you seem, of course a picture of serene, transcendent bliss, really. Also. <laughs> That's what it looks it's like. It's all in there. Yeah. <laughs> I really feel it's just part of, you know, it's, it, it would be boring without the other, you know. You, you need all the, <laughs> all the colors. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, you mentioned that at age 10, something happened in your personal biography that you weren't just following with your family's spirituality, which was, you know, chanting the Gayatri Mantra. So what, what mm. happened when you were 10? I think uh, at 10 years old, I, I realized, first of all, I realized I had a choice. And second, I realized that I was, I really wanted to be normal. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be like, uh, basically, I realized I had the choice to be normal. <laughs> And uh, and um, because that's been that had been bothering me, you know, growing up feeling like different, and I'm being I'm vegetarian, and I'm, you know, my house doesn't look like everyone else's house, and my dad doesn't look like everyone else's dad, and and he talks of himself in the third person. No, no other dad talks of himself in the third person, <laughs> you know. So I was like, what can I? How can I just be like everyone else? And and um, at the same time, I had a a religion teacher at school and she was just totally inspiring and I just felt like wow I want to become Christian you know I hadn't been baptized my parents hadn't hadn't baptized me so I, I felt like no let's I want to get baptized and I want to you know I, so that's when I started um, praying the Lord's Prayer every night and praying to a God in a Christian concept of a God you know somebody you talk to and you ask for things maybe and you and and I think at first I did that kind of secretly, you know, first singing the Gayatri Mantra and then secretly, you know, going, singing, uh, chanting or whatever, reciting the Lord's Prayer. And then I asked my parents, you know, would it be okay if I got baptized? And they were totally, you know, supportive. This is, this is your path, totally go for it. You know, it's, all, it's your choice. And somehow, before that could happen, I I was introduced by my parents to Osho, who was at the time Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. We went to a center where I was introduced to the meditations, which are active meditations that, you know, as a 10-year-old, I could also already enjoy. You know, there wasn't like making me sit for an hour that I couldn't do yet, but it was a meditation that included dancing and shaking and 
breathing and uh, so uh, I was I just felt so at home right away I felt like this is my family you know it was a not a re, not a mental decision it wasn't that, that I read Osho's books I didn't actually speak English at the time so I couldn't really understand his discourses I just felt like this is this is home so they didn't you know they just showed me that they didn't have any agenda and uh and then I felt I want to become his disciples, which was first a little bit, oh no, now I'm going to be different again, you know, now I'm going to walk around in red clothes and I'm going to wear this, you know, wooden necklace with his picture around my neck and, but what to do, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did, you know, when I was 11 years old, I became his disciple who gave me then the name Deva Pramal. And, uh, and I went to school and read for seven years until he said, you know, you, you know, you just uh, go back to normal clothes. And uh, and it was I, I, I've been home ever since, you know. In that now, in now were your parents family. were your parents disciples of Osho? My mother then also became disciple. My father, he he's a he was a strong uh, spirit, so he. He loved Osho, but he, he wasn't a disciple in that sense. Uh-huh. So you there you were, 11, 12 years old, and you went to a regular public school, but you, yeah. were, but you were wearing your yeah. red sannyasin clothes? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and did people make fun of you? Um, no, actually they were too shy to really say anything. Most, most of them didn't even mention it. And then uh, later when I was more ready to also talk, but first I was a bit shy also. I just didn't really know how to explain it. And, and then once I was more ready, then, then they were still too shy. So it hardly ever got mentioned. I never, you know, it's Germany also, you know, people are more reserved and, you know, so I, I never had any problems with it or any, any animosity coming towards me because of that. I, I did feel that I'm a little separate, but um, not that they didn't like me or, you know, it's just that I felt like in my free time I don't choose to go to discos like they did. Or, But it was not, it was uh, all friendly, so it was no problem. Now just to ask you a personal question, yeah. Deva, if it's okay, but I mean, it's so unusual for someone to be 10, 11 years old, I think it's unusual, and to have that much of a devotional heart that you would find a spiritual teacher at that age and, you know, be devoted in that way at, at such a young age. H- how do you understand your own devotional heart? I mean, do you think of it as some kind of uh, previous life experience that's being repeated here now and that's why it opened up in you so young? Or what's your own understanding of it? That's a good question. I, I don't really know. I don't really know. I mean, I just feel just comes naturally, you know. I don't know. I'm just. I just feel very blessed. I think that's what I. That's the main feeling in my life. That I. I feel I'm guided in a in a beautiful way. Just also the way I, I met Miten and and uh, and how we we love each other and we're 20 years together in such a harmonious, beautiful way. And all these things. I. I. You know. They, I'm just still stunned. You know. I'm still in amazement. So I have no idea. I'm just. I'm just uh, grateful, basically. I think it's it's not so really necessary to figure it out anyway. Fair enough. But, yeah. So we're going to listen to the first song on Into Silence, the meditation music of Deva Pramal, and it's called Ad Gure, 
And maybe you can just introduce the, the song to us, what it means and how it came uh, for you to chant this song. Yeah. This is a mantra from the Sikh tradition, and actually we, um, we learned it through Snatam Kaur, who I'm sure you're also familiar with. And uh, it's a mantra for protection. It's a mantra that celebrates the Guru, and the Guru is the one who takes us from darkness to light, the one who dispels the darkness, which is actually the literal translation of the word Guru. So it's also a beautiful mantra to chant at the beginning of journeys or beginning of car rides, just for protection and being in tune with the, with the higher. Well, wonderful. Let's listen.
Beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit, Deva, about the creative process that's involved? You mentioned that the song you learned from Snatam Kaur, but how did you take the song and work with Miten to create the composition? What was that process? This part is special because uh, you, you heard the, the strings in the end. Yeah. The whole CD, this is taken from the CD uh, originally Dakshina and it was recorded in London so we basically we find um, people that we want to work with that uh, you know because we don't have our own studio so we find somebody who has a studio who has the musical skills and who is uh, who's in tune with us and often a good friend or becomes a good friend in the process and uh, so this one was made with Martin Phillips in, in London. In the process of the recording, we met uh, this uh, uh, Indian violinist called Chandru, and we booked him for a session on a piece just for him playing the violin. And and when he heard the music, he said, oh, I, I go to India regularly, and I, I put these orchestras together, you know, like orchestra parts together for people, you know, for pieces or for soundtracks or so he he has access to a, like a 50-piece orchestra in India where they can play the, those slides you know like um, 
Western orchestras, they can't play the way the Indian yeah. uh, play the violin, you know, with those sliding notes and stuff. So we, that one was really a, uh, an experiment. We gave him the track. We gave him the track as it was recorded by then with our voices and our backing. And he took it to India and sent it back to us. We had to modify it. It wasn't quite totally right when, when it came back. But uh, I love the sound of those violins. He said it was 93 violins that, that's on there. I have no idea if that's... Uh, wow. If that's, <laughs> I don't know, if it's an Indianism <laughs> or if it, uh, how close it is. But it, it, I just love the sound of those real strings coming in there. So, you know, the recording process is, it's, we always call it like, it's a bit like being pregnant. I mean, I've never been pregnant, so I don't know, but I could imagine that in a pregnancy you go through ups and downs and through joys and through days when it's challenging and you know so that's what it's like you know you come to places where you feel like oh my god where do we go from here and then you come to places where like oh this is the best thing we've ever done so it's a it's challenging you know and then and then the when the city is ready that's like the birth and then you let it go you know you you've given birth you nourished it and then you let let your children go into the world and make their friends Ninety-three violins to to take one into silence, and it, it does yeah. kind of it does kind of have that effect. Your music yeah. into silence, yeah. and I'm curious what that's like for you. I mean, you're done singing a mantra. What does your body feel like at that point? When we say silence, what kind yeah. of silence? It's just so alive. It's so vibrant, and it's so still. And and at the same time, it's it's uh, charged with, with energy in a good way, you know, not in a, a wired, stressful way. It's it's like it's it's all awake, you know. It's a moment of total awareness, of totally being in the moment, and with with a smile on on your face. I mean, maybe not literally, but it's that joyful silence. It's so precious. It's really it's it's one of the most beautiful things to share mm-hmm. with the with the audience too you know to come into that space together and then sit all together maybe a thousand people in that silence and stillness for a few minutes you know and and have no pull to to go to clap to leave to cough to move or you know so mm-hmm. that's really 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 precious that's what that's what i think that's the reason why we can to be traveling like this for so long, you know. Because of how nourished you are by yeah. the experience? Yeah. yeah. Now, before you sing a song like that, before, I don't know if I perform is quite the right word, but maybe, I don't know if you like the word perform, but uh, how do you prepare yourself internally? Um, I don't really have any kind of ritual in that way. You know, for me, coming in the in the coming on stage and then those moments of silence that we always start the concert with you know where we just take a deep breath and just sit in silence for a few moments that's for me the the invocation and it all goes from there i don't have beforehand i don't have a big kind of ritual that that i go through so in just a, a few minutes of silence you're able as a human instrument to be sensitively tuned enough that you can then be a vehicle 
for this kind of sound? Seems like. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. What does it feel like, though? I'm curious, inside of you, like the sound emerges. What does it sound like to you? I guess what I'm trying to understand is the instrument of Deva Pramal. What's it like, yeah. on, the in, what's it like on the inside when you're getting ready to sing and then singing? I mean, it feels like I'm also a listener, you know? It feels like I can, I just watch the sound come out of out of this body and I'm happily surprised the way it sounds and I, I, I enjoy it as I hope the audience enjoys it as well and and I, I feel like, wow, this is great. <laughs> so I'm, I feel kind of detached from it in a, in a nice way, you know, that I feel um, it's not me, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm blessed to be part of this experience. Your father talked about himself in the third person, but in, in a sense you're having some kind of similar experience in that you're... Oh, you're yeah, that's true. I never thought of that. Yeah, but that was his thing, yeah, to, to just be... just always remind himself that, you know, he's not the ego, you know, he's not this body, he's not this thing called Wolfgang or whatever, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a good practice. It's true, it's a little bit like that. Okay, we're going to hear um, another song, and... I'm hoping you can introduce it for us. Om Asatoma. Yes, this is a, a mantra. It's for transitions. It says, take me from illusion to truth, from darkness to light, and from death to immortality. Om Asatoma Satgamaya Tamasoma Gamaya. Mrityama Amritam Gamaya Om Asatoma Satgamaya Tamasoma Gamaya 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 Rityama Amritam Gamaya Om Asatoma Satgamaya Tamasoma Gamaya Rityama Amritam Gamaya Om Asatoma Satgamaya Tamasoma Gamaya Mrityama Amritam Gamaya Om Asatoma Satgamaya Tamasoma Gamaya Mrityama Amritam Gamaya Om Asatoma Satgamaya Tamasoma Gamaya 
One can both, of course, listen to your music as well as chanting along. Do you believe that there's different effects when we chant along than when we just listen? Yeah, I think the, the like I said earlier, the physical effect of actually making the sounds, breathing, making the sounds out loud are very strong too. So it, I think it's an enhanced experience. But even, you know, when we just, chant the mantra inside silently it'll it'll work its magic so it's all good but you know the more we can immerse ourselves and also just by chanting we we bring our body and spirit in tune so we are much more involved and much more total when we chant along so that's basically what we made all our cds for is that to, to encourage people to to, to join, you know, so it's not a performance and not a listen to me, but it's an invitation. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you mentioned that you're in Australia now on tour and that you're traveling and touring most of the year and that you've seen that there's a growing reception to your work. Do, do you have a sense that there's a growing spiritual awareness in the world or do you think that you know of course people say that and blah 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 but is it really true what what are you experiencing on the ground from your own perspective i I, I definitely feel that and i definitely also feel that it's not anymore so confined to the usual suspects you know like it used to be that the people who come to our concerts you you recognize them on the street you know you know oh that's a person who would come you know and now it's much more um, varied and it's people from all walks of life and all ages and also ma- more men and and uh, you know it's uh, people you, you, we are there are many people undercover who are really walking the path now whether it be you know with mantra or meditation but it's you know it, I think it's also pretty understandable that we need something else to to keep us going now in this challenging time and uh, and people are turning to to uh, to the inner world and often that leads them to mantra or to for sure meditation so definitely i feel there's a there's an openness and a, and more of a need to 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 nourish ourselves like that yeah and if you could encapsulate what's encoded in your work, meaning when you give a, a concert or when you create a recording, what is it that you're hoping or intending will be the effect on other people? I mean, when we make it, it's an offering. It's a, it's a gift. It's like a, it's a tool for healing. It's a tool for meditation. And it's a, it's a, bringer of joy and happiness that's our intention and uh, actually the the feedback we get is has been way past my expectations you know when i when i told you that people write back that even you know suicidal thoughts have been transformed through the music so it's it's even stronger than i hope to expect when people come to the concerts or when they listen, our, our hope is and our mission is that 
some flame gets sparked so that this becomes part of your daily life or that you create community by bringing people together, you know, in your living room, chanting together, sitting in silence together, you know, so it's not just happening in, in concerts or with, in Kirtan to Jai and with Krishna Das and, you know, so, but it's that it becomes more of a regular, almost ordinary, you know, that because that's, that's ordinary life, that is, that is what we need to be ordinary, you know. So this is our mission mm-hmm. that we can spark this flame and then then it just sparks other flames and it creates more light on the planet. Now, Deva, you know, when you shared with me the story that you had this experience of anger and you mm-hmm. went into it fully and that you saw that the wholeness of who you are could hold even that in peace, I found that refreshing because I said, you know, it's so easy to project on you there you are on stage and you seem so, you know, open and transcendent and loving and you have such a gorgeous smile. And of course, it's also, I think, very tempting to project onto you and Miten that you have this, you know, perfect, idealized relationship. They create music together. They have this harmonious relationship. And and I wonder just, can you... Um, help educate me a little about what it might really be like and not what I might fantasize it's like. You know, we, we, have, our, we have our moments of, um, you know, of disagreement or, you know, something kind of some heated moment, but they're very fleeting, you know. We don't hold on to them, you know. We, we share it or we kind of burst out into something and then in literally a few minutes it's gone and, and uh, it just feels like sometimes I feel like we made a decision now maybe another life comes in I don't know in this life or last life or whatever to basically love each other and not go into any drama you know not hold on to any drama and it just happens you know so I have no recipe for that it's just somehow our personality structures somehow fit together and are pretty much compatible and tuned that we love you know to do what the other loves to do as well so we, we are lucky that way and uh, you know we are both we are also both fire signs you know I'm Aries he's a Leo so there is it's not stale or it's not lovey-dovey or it's not all pale blue and pale bl- pinks you know <laughs> it's very alive and it's very very passionate also you know and in that passion there's also sometimes a a burst of of uh, anger or burst of frustration or you know but it's just it just doesn't smolder it doesn't kind of how do you say fester under the surface or you know it's just it just erupts and comes out more or less clean and just evaporates into the sky i totally appreciate and respect and even enjoy your answer. But it does bring up this question for me, which is I I was reading in an article on your website a quote from you that says, you know, I feel so grateful that spirituality, creativity, work, and love all mean the same thing in my life. And I thought this is very beautiful. And it's so beautiful that, you know, Deva feels grateful about this and you can feel it in the music. But what I thought is... What about the person who reads that and says, I wish I had some of that in my life, where work, love, spirituality, and creativity all were the same thing in my life. I don't feel that. I mean, I imagine a lot of people 
would say, I don't feel that. That's not my experience. So how, yeah. what would you say to that person who says, that's not my experience? I wish it was. I, I mean, I wish it was for everyone, too. I, I, and I, I see and I hear and I, I mean, obviously, it, it seems to be the case that it's, it's exceptional. That's why I'm even more grateful. And I don't have the answer to that. I can only say that, you know, once you tune into that, into spirituality, into gratefulness, into what nourishes you, whatever that is, your spiritual path. For some people, it's actually guru. For some people, it's a path. For some people, it's um, the mantras. You know, that feeling will infiltrate your whole life. And I trust that then your work and your... Everything gets transformed. Everything gets colored by that. So you have to start somewhere. You have to... Um, you have to to nourish that part and then that will grow you know it's that thing what you give energy to that grows sometimes i feel also a little bit like i don't want to have anyone feel jealous or envious so but what can i do i'm just feeling like this you know you know what i mean i don't, don't want to be like you know but that's what we do that's to to travel and to try to to uh, inspire, you know, to make that more and more important and it will transform because you can't, that's such powerful tools, they will do their magic and they will do, they will have their effect and just like me, I could have never made this up. I didn't, you know, this law of attraction thing and secret and all that, I, it's not my experience. I haven't attracted this, you know, I have just been, I feel I've been given it to, it's been given to me and it's it's way beyond what I could have even imagined or tried to attract, you know. So I feel, uh, you know, just to make ourselves open to that by nourishing the light and the goodness and the peace and, the, and that what actually really, really um, nourishes us rather than focusing on the, you know, and I think it's difficult also because... We are in such a rut of work and money and now recession and all that. I, it's, it, it is a challenge. I think it's a totally a challenge. And I really respect everyone who can, who can find the balance between the two and hopefully that it's not any more balance, but that it's a natural union of the two. I don't really have a better answer for that. Well, I think your gratitude and graciousness is a beautiful answer. And... I've really appreciated speaking with you. And we're going to end, actually, hearing the Mula Mantra. And what I'd like to do at the end is just allow it, actually, to move us into silence. And, That's beautiful. Yeah. And so, Dave, I want to, before we hear uh, the Mula Mantra, first of all, just thank you. And to let our listeners know that the meditation music of Deva Pramal, Into Silence, is available at SoundsTrue.com. And once again, just to thank you for your real deep surrender, which is what I feel from you, to be used. It's a gift to all of us. And if you could just introduce the Mula Mantra, and then we'll hear it and go into silence. Right. So the Mula Mantra, Mula means root, and it's a mantra that, um, that first of all honors the divine in its unmanifest form. You know, the, the divine creator that's all around us, that's in, in a way invisible. Then it honors the divine as reflected in the gurus and the avatars and the spiritual teachers. 
then the divine Paramatma, the divine in every living being, and the, the soul in every one of us. And then it honors the dance between the female and the male energy, Sri Bhagavati Sameta in communion with Sri Bhagavati, the male energy. So it, it, it's an honoring of, of all existence, really. And uh, this is a beautiful offering for the end of our time together. And thank you so much for beautiful, beautiful sharing, Tami. Thank you. Mm. Shri Bhagavati Namah Shri 